Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Good to see you. So much to get through, so little time. Whoever you are, whatever you are, wherever you are, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. tear this place apart tonight. This could be the end. This could be the end of all things. Maybe that's a little dramatic. Maybe. But maybe not. Let's go. way to start. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Let's 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 scratch that. Let's start again, shall we? <clears throat> okay, compose yourself. Compose yourself, Boogie. Alright. <sighs> Breathe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Another flawless introduction, just like every other time. Yes, exactly. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you had a lovely day. I certainly have. We've got so much to get through. I'm not going to burn too much time on introductions. I'm not going to burn too much time on, Hey, going? how's your father? Would you like a cup of tea? How about the weather you're having down there? Oh, it's getting pretty bad, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The wind. Did you hear about the wind? Oh, dear. It's all over the news. I'm not going to waste too much time on that stuff. Too much to get to. And as well, I want to take your calls tonight, if you want to talk, if you want to talk. Someone's here, <laughs> Sean is just here for the music. <laughs> That's all right. I don't care. Um, if you can't tell, if you can't pick it up in my voice, I am starting to develop flu-like symptoms. So I'm going to push on. I'm going to leave it all out on the field tonight. Tonight is the grand final. It's the Super Bowl. So if I don't come out of here with no voice left, and a few days to recover before Sunday, then I'll be very disappointed indeed. Thank you so much for joining us. It is the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am your host, Boogie Bumper, for the next probably couple of hours. Might go overtime today. Might go a little bit over schedule. Why not? Why the bloody hell not? Because like I said, we've got so much to get through. Quick reminder, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, and thank you so much to the supporters, the supporters of the show, uh, on patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. You can become a supporter that way. You can subscribe to the podcast just by hitting that little subscribe button on your preferred podcast player or on your preferred video outlet, if that's what you prefer. Just hit the subscribe button. Thank you so much for sharing the show out. And if you'd like to uh, send me some chicken noodle soup, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this might be the last ever show. This could be it. It could all be over tonight. Because what I'm going to do tonight, I'm going to... I, I did something this morning. And it's something that I'm not really proud of. It's like a dark fetish of mine. And maybe you guys want to know about it. Maybe you don't. So if you have small children in the room, now would be the time to escort them out 
you know, maybe make them some nice honey and milk, put them to bed, put the little ones to bed, turn the volume down on your stereo if you're playing it, unplug your earbuds. So I'm going to admit something to you that I'm not very proud of and it's a little embarrassing. A dark little secret of mine. Are you ready for it? This morning, do you know what I did? Don't tell anybody. It's just between you and me. I listened to some Alex Jones. <gasps> right? I know, it feels so good to get it off my chest. I was listening to a little bit of Alex Jones this morning. <gasps> and I've also got to let you know, um, I didn't then begin harassing victims of school shootings. Amazingly, right? Amazingly. Uh, I didn't start goose-stepping down the main drag in a brown shirt, waving a swastika. That didn't happen either. So I was a little disappointed. All of these things that I was told would happen if I listened to a little bit of Alex Jones didn't transpire. Didn't transpire. People are like, oh, that's it. That's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm out. Honey and milk. You don't drink honey and milk? People are questioning honey and milk. Come on, man. Hot milk and honey got to be hot milk not cold milk but you get like hot milk off the stove stir the honey in you got to stir the shit out of it so it dissolves and then you fill up the rest heat up the milk kids love that stuff puts them to sleep so scotch does the same job though to be fair so yeah i did a little did a bit of little listening to alex jones this morning and i didn't i didn't accost anybody on the street i didn't intimidate anybody after listening to it but I did come across this article after listening to PJW this morning on Alex Jones. And we're going to check in with Granddaddy Alex. It's been a long time since we played any Alex Jones on this show. But if, if for some reason I get unpersoned off all of these platforms, then you know where to find me. We've done a lot of episodes on internet freedom. And we will continue to do a lot of episodes on internet freedom. Facebook issues new policy saying it's acceptable to post death threats against me. Now, why would anybody want to kill Paul Joseph Watson? He's just a delightful British lad. He's just a lively lad. I can see Paul sauntering down the streets of London in his long overcoat on his way to the, on his way to footer, having a cup of bovril. I don't know what team he supports. Now, before we get into this, an update. Facebook has deleted its new policy that allowed violent threats against dangerous individuals after a backlash. Dangerous individuals included anyone Facebook didn't like. Facebook has issued a new policy update saying it's acceptable to post death threats and incite violence against me, despite this being a crime in the United Kingdom. So after this interview and after a number of people spoke out about this, they have deleted that part of their new terms of service. So basically what was happening... You'll remember uh, a bunch of people got banned off Facebook and put into the category of dangerous individuals. So in their terms of service, they were saying it's not against the rules to say, you know, I want to I want to kill that, you know, pedophile or I want to kill that terrorist, blah, blah, blah. And the people that you are allowed to say that you want to kill are these dangerous individuals. But people like Paul Joseph Watson, Alex Jones, Laura Luma, for example, were recently put in the dangerous individuals category. A whole new level. Because remember, on Facebook now, you're only allowed to 
mention Infowars or Alex Jones or anybody associated with that organization if you're being critical of them. Literally, that's the rule. You can't defend Alex Jones. You can't even be neutral. The only way you're allowed to post, according to Facebook's rules, about Infowars is if you are being critical of them. On top of that, they're not allowed on the platform. So the only the only thing you will see on Facebook by that theory is criticism of Alex Jones and Infowars and Paul Joseph Watson and stuff. And that's you might really dislike them, but they're not allowed on there to defend themselves and other people get banned for defending them. It's 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 really like a a, a ratcheted up it's an escalation of, a, of a, an unpersoning campaign, the likes of which I don't think, like, because we thought it would get bad. I don't think anybody really thought that it would get to this point. And it's getting worse. So then on top of that, because they were banned for being dangerous individuals, Facebook changed their terms of service to say, well, if you, if you post threats of violence against dangerous individuals, we understand because they're dangerous. So we're not going to ban you for that. A community standards update published by Facebook states, do not post threats that could lead to death and other forms of high severity violence of any targets where threat is defined as any of the following. Statements of intent to commit high severity violence or calls for high severity violence unless the target is an organisation or individual covered in the dangerous individuals and organisations policy. An explicit exclusion for Alex Jones and Paul Joseph Watson and the other people who were recently banned off Facebook. Don't post death threats. Don't post threats of violence unless it's against this guy that we've banned already because we call him a dangerous individual and we don't let him on here to defend himself. (laughs) Just a quick reminder too. um, Facebook wants to launch its own cryptocurrency, which in their own words, they aim to replace the global financial system. And they have already signed on with various corporations in order to integrate integrate their payment systems, the likes of Uber, Lyft, MasterCard, Visa, and so on and so forth. So, as I said, I was watching a little bit of Alex Jones. There he is, Granddaddy Alex. And they were discussing this very topic, as well as the upcoming social media summit that El Presidente is holding in the White House. So let's have a little look. I want people to understand, this is not about us. This is the global social credit score. It's here. They're moving. They're doing it. Uh, And, you know, Trump is just now starting to figure out this is happening. He has this summit tomorrow. And what it really is, is like keddling, like the police do, one of the producers pointed out like where they get a group of protesters and put them into a confined area. Well, we're, we're being taken off the web, so we can't respond. We have our own platforms we built smartly. So they're trying to shut those down. They're lying about us, and now they want us killed. Now they want us killed. I mean, they're saying in terms of service, recapping that, that this is what they want. Uh, this, this has been premeditated. This is a big deal. This is so dangerous. A, they... By calling us dangerous, they lump us in with murderers and people, but even murderers or whatever, you shouldn't say people have a right to go kill. Uh, They are becoming judge, jury, and executioner. Zuckerberg's coming out with his own global digital cashless currency. Uh, They're setting up these weird communal rooms where you can't have a Facebook unless everyone else is allowed in your info. He's training everyone to officially let 
Facebook rape them. <laughs> They've gone complete. Alex Jones, subtle as always. <laughs> Power mad, Alex. It, it is a cult, <laughs> as proven by what you were talking about earlier. You cannot even mention or wear an InfoWars t-shirt on their platforms anymore without denouncing it, even reporting neutrally on it. They will get rid of you. It's, they've completely jumped the shot. Oh, and by the way, the Antifa group that cracked two people's skulls in Portland a couple of weeks ago, that um, put cement in milkshakes and threw them at journalists two weeks ago, they're still on Facebook. It's called Rose City Antifa. Joe Biggs got banned on Twitter after he posted the images of uh, that guy with his head cracked open. The guy who posted the video of that violent attack by a domestic terrorist group, his video got deleted. In fact, I think he got banned on Twitter as well. The very group behind the violence, Rose City Antifa, is still on Facebook and is still on Twitter. The group that doxed, harassed, uh, threatened Tucker Carlson's family, showed up at his house, banged on his door. They're still on Twitter. So, I mean, I'm kind of blackpilled at this point, Alex. They've got this social media summit. I wasn't invited. You weren't invited. Nobody, from what I've seen, who's been actually banned on any social media platform was invited. They set up a website where people could whine about it and send an email to a black hole. So I'm really beyond the point of having any hope in that. I do have hope in our listeners, our audience, as you said, because they've... Ah, when you lose all hope. When you lose all hope. One of my favourite lines from one of the greatest movies ever made, which comes from one of the greatest novels ever written by a guy named Chuck Palahiuk in the movie Fight Club. He says, the Tyler Durden character says to Edward Norton's character, it's only after we've lost everything that we're free to do anything. It's a very nihilistic, depressing movie if you haven't seen it. So it's glorious. Lost all hope that anything will change. I've said this before, and at risk of pissing off members of the audience who are all Donald Trump all the time and the guy can't do a single thing wrong, I will say it again. I don't think that Donald Trump understands the first thing about internet culture at all. People say that he's like a Twitter genius and he's a troll genius and stuff. I think he just posts things on Twitter, things that pop into his head, and not through any kind of planning or anything. It, it has the effect of enraging people. He's just, maybe he's like naturally a troll. I don't think he plans social media strategies. This is probably why the guy he hired to run his social media campaign does plan social media strategies, right? I don't think he understands internet culture at all. I don't think he understands the nuances of it. I don't think he understands the more abstract pressing issues when it comes to internet freedom such as data collection, data mining, privacy issues. The guy doesn't even use email. I think he likes Twitter because he can pick up the phone, type in like a text message and hit send and it goes out there to the world. It's all nice and easy. He's not posting all the tweets, says Piper Ohio. It's probably true. So I would put it to you, this social media summit. Actually, let, let's just let like another minute or so of Paul go and then I'll explain. Stood behind us at every single point. So it will just go back to the olden days, Alex. It will go back to analog newsletters, websites, and people staying on that home turf, buying the products and supporting us that way. That's the only way we're going to survive. 
because everything else is. And by the way, Paul, we got here with shortwave radio and fax machines. The old Soviet Union was overthrown that way. But let's be clear. Trump has good instincts and wants to change this. He's surrounded by sycophantic cowards who exactly. uh, the media said one thing about Ben Garrison, the most successful editorial cartoonist in the world. They said because he made fun of George Soros puppeteering uh, some of the generals in the White House, which was true. That was in the news. And that the Rothschilds son Soros, which is true, because those people happen to be Jewish, that's anti-Semitic. And so Politico playbook, uh, new White House says cartoonist is no longer attending social media summit. So if they put any heat on somebody, those people are immediately thrown under the bus. Now, Donald Trump might have seen some of Ben Garrison's work, but does anybody really expect Donald Trump to know who all of these personalities are? in the internet Trump amplification circle? I don't. I mean, do you really think that Donald Trump will walk into this summit? Like, do you really think that he handpicked the people who go there? Or do you think that his underlings picked the people that go there? It's an important question. Do you really think that Donald Trump will be walking around this summit going, hey, where's that Garrison guy? I really love his cartoons. I'm a big fan of Ben Garrison. I think when Donald Trump retweets something from, say, like a Paul Joseph Watson or a Ben Garrison or whatever, it's because it's come on his timeline. He looks at it and he likes it and he retweets it. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to be walking around this summit going, oh, where's this guy? Where's that guy? Where's that guy? Now, he's met Scott Adams and he's met Carpe Donctum, right? And I have nothing against those people at all. In all, like, Carpe Donctum does amazing work. Scott Adams is great. But in all honesty, hand on heart, who do you think was more influential in the election of Donald Trump in 2016? Carpe Donctum or Paul Joseph Watson? Right? Like, again, that's not a slight against uh, Carpe Donctum. That's an acknowledgement of how huge and massive Paul Joseph Watson was at the time of that election. He was, he was basically running YouTube. He was running Twitter. So to have like a social media summit without Paul Joseph Watson there seems at least on the surface to be a little ridiculous. And to be fair, I would say the people around Donald Trump would be thinking about, well, we can't have dangerous people. We can't have these dangerous people there. It's too controversial. They want to be just controversial enough so they'll have, like, the people that um, people go after, like, you know, Carpe Donctum and Charlie Kirk and uh, Scott Adams and stuff like that. They're just controversial enough to generate interest, to generate conversation but not so controversial in the minds of the people who put these put these things together that it will be damaging to the president, right? So they're walking a tightrope. They're, 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 they're trying to walk through a minefield. They just want to tease the mainstream media into overreaction. But when it comes to people like PJW or Alex Jones, it's like, shouldn't we have them at the social media summit? Well, I mean, it's a little, they're a little bit too, they're a bit over the top. I mean, you know, we're trying to have a nice, nice little meeting here. It's a little too dangerous.
a little too dangerous. Do you see? Do you see what I'm saying here? So Ben Garrison draws this cartoon. They get wind of it. Politico writes an article about it. Oh, somebody called something anti-Semitic. We have to disinvite them. We have to disinvite that person. Regardless of whether or not the charge of anti-Semitism is absurd, plainly absurd, they have to... It, no, 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 we can't have that. We can't have that around here right now. Little minions running around with clipboards, handing out name badges to people as they walk in. Well, guess what? The whole Republican Party turned against Trump. We backed him. We got him elected. These people aren't just globalists. They're a bunch of sycophantic cowards that surround Trump. That's exactly what I've been told, Alex, about this social media. Now, PJW is about to give him both barrels. So if you are easily offended, my MAGA friends, now would be the time to turn away. Summit. Basically, if you've ever criticized Trump or one of his policies at any point, which I've done with his Syria attack, which was stupid and he backed away from, or you've done on certain other issues because you have independent thought, you don't get anywhere near Trump. And again, that's not Trump's fault. It's the sycophants that surround him, as you say. And they will pe throw people like Ben Garrison under a bus and anyone who gets heat. Now Media Matters has put out another hit piece calling uh, out the extremist figures who've been invited to the White House Social Media Summit. Who are these extremist figures? Well, they include a Republican congressman, Gates, Republican Senator Blackburn, and Charlie Kirk. Now, here's the thing. I've, I've gone through this distinction before. The difference between commentator, advocate, and activist. And this is not an activist program. And I don't, I don't dislike people who are advocates. I don't dislike people who are activists when it comes to social media. I, I do a tiny little show with a tiny little audience that a very, very, very small amount of people tell me they enjoy. And I enjoy doing it. That's the reality. I'm not changing the world. I'm not making the world a better place. I'm just honestly bringing things of interest and sometimes having a laugh. So it's it's not my role to be an activist. Now, act, the activist mindset when it comes to being on the Donald Trump bandwagon will tell you that everything that the guy does is great and amazing and it's all part of a bigger scheme and a bigger plan. And if you at any point using your own discernment or your own opinion or your own ability to read things and analyze things and express yourself, if you at any point stray from the line that every single thing Donald Trump does is correct and good, then you will be banished from the activist circles. You will be done away with. And you know it's true. You might be insta-blocked. You might be shredded. You might be attacked. Ah, oh, fake MAGA, right? Which is fine. And that, that kind of shit's never, never worried me because I understand the motivation. The activist's job is to generate a groundswell of aggressive support. And they can't have people in there questioning the lines. They can't have it. It's not, it's not, it's not productive in that kind of environment, which is, again, 100% understandable. 
but I'm not an activist. I'm just a commentator. So if I see something that I think is wrong, I'll say so. And people don't have to like it. They don't have to agree with it. They don't have to watch. And 99.9999% of people take that option of not watching, which again is fine. But I don't think that Donald Trump is one of those guys who doesn't like to have conflicting views presented to him. I actually think he's somebody who likes to have arguments, somebody who likes to have people disagree with him. But the people around him may not be that way. They're probably old school politics. We need to insulate. We need to circle the wagons. We can't allow any disagreement. Everything needs to be 100% positive, which is absurd to begin with because you're never going to get 100% positive with a guy like Trump. He's too off the cuff. He shoots from the hip. And that's what people want, right? So if that's true, that anybody except the most overbearing cheerleaders have been, you know, are now being formed as like part of the sub-Donald Trump internet structure to amplify his message. Well, then so be it. But it's kind of like, eh, for me, it's like, well, whatever. Whatevs. Whatevs. Here's the Media Matters article that PJW was talking about. Here are the extremist figures going to the White House social media summit. And I'm going to preface this with um, why would anybody pay any attention to media matters at all? Ever. (laughs) Regardless of the fact that I am, of course, ironically reading the Media Matters article. (laughs) Uh, Bill Mitchell is on there. He's an extremist. Now, you can like, like or dislike Bill Mitchell. He is a cheerleader which again is fine. That's his role. That's his niche. That's his job is to say that everything that Donald Trump does is perfect and right and amazing. Like I get it. It doesn't offend me. Carpe Donctum is there. We know his work. Charlie Kirk, Turning Point USA. Prager University. The extremists down at Prager University. The the free market capitalist Jew guy. (laughs) He's now a right-wing extremist. Ben Garrison, who was disinvited because somebody called one of his comics anti-Semitic. That one. The the offensive the offensive comic that is so offensive, he needs to be disinvited, yet we reprint it just to show you how offensive it is. And a lot of people would look at that and go, really? That's that's what it is? That's what got him disinvited? Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, there's another one. Uh, Will Chamberlain. People see him on uh, Periscope a lot. Brent Bozel. This is my personal favorite here in regards to uh, right-wing extremists, ladies and gentlemen. Matt Gates, Marsha Blackburn, Tim Pool. <laughs> it was at this point in the article where my eyes were rolling back in my head so viciously that I nearly gave myself whiplash. A study found that Tim Pool was at the center of a network of far-right YouTube accounts. He's at the center of it. Tim Pool is orchestrating a right-wing conspiracy on YouTube. A study published last September from Data and Society's Rebecca Lewis of what she called the Alternative Influence Network 
a group of YouTubers that push far-right content and appear in each other's videos put Pool at nearly the direct centre of this network. Tim Pool, the liberal guy. <laughs> the liberal guy. Pool has done videos and otherwise interacted with multiple white nationalists and far-right figures. Guilt by association. Our old favourite. His own opinions don't matter. The fact that he has interacted with people with uh, whom we find offensive is enough to make him equally offensive. Paul has also been a guest on InfoWars, and in 2017, he offered to help InfoWars' Paul Joseph Watson investigate an area of Sweden that Watson called crime-ridden migrant suburbs. Again, half-truth. Half-truth. What really happened there was Paul Joseph Watson put out a challenge to liberal journalists who were saying that his claim that there were no-go zones in Sweden was a right-wing conspiracy theory. He put a challenge out to liberal journalists like Tim Pool to say, hey, if you want to prove me wrong, I will pay for your plane ticket over there. Go over there, report it, and bring back what you find. And Tim Pool was like, all right, fuck him. I'll do it. He said, I'll do it. I will take up the challenge. I will take up the challenge. I will fly over to Sweden, and I will prove this guy wrong. And what Tim Pool found when he was over there that Paul, jo Paul Joseph Watson wasn't wrong. Tim Pool came back with articles and videos and said, hey, there's actually something to this no-go zone stuff. It's actually pretty bad. And all of the former liberal journalist colleagues that Tim Pool used to run with all turned their back on his information. Oh, no, no. And the birth of the right-wing extremist Tim Pool took place at that moment. Yep, Nephilim Ninja in the chat. Didn't he get chased off? He did. He did. So he took up a challenge issued by PJW to go over there and prove PJW wrong. He went over there and said, shit, PJW is actually right. And then the liberal journalist instantly overnight became a far-right far conspiracy uh, bigot himself. That's how this works. Half-truths. And then you got Benny Johnson and other people going to the social media summit. So, in my opinion, I'm more... I'm not much of a conclusions guy. I'm more of a guy that says something is probably true or probably untrue because we're always operating on incomplete information. I apply, like, a, a jury standard when it comes to offering a conclusion on something. I'm always open to new information. But I would say, in my opinion, at this stage, that I suspect that Donald Trump from time to time might put out a tweet saying, hey, it's really bad. You can't be banning the conservatives. Gotta let the conservatives on your platform. You know, what the Facebook and the Twitter are doing isn't right. Gotta let people talk. It's not fair. I think he throws that out from time to time. Which is a kind of like a red meat to the online community. To feed on for a while. But I suspect the social media summit is more about how can we get all of these people who are pro-Donald Trump 
in the most positive and public way, doing more? How can we get them to do more pro-Trump stuff? As opposed to how can we save social media from the tyrannous actions of people like Mark Zuckerberg? In my, that's my suspicion. And I suspect it's been organised by people underneath Trump and not Trump himself. And when it comes to understanding the nuances of unpersoning and the digital representation of ourselves being wiped from history on the internet, I don't think he really gets it. And I don't expect him to. Because to be fair, he's probably got enough on his plate already. He's probably got enough on his plate already. He can't be across everything all the time. So there you go. I've just said uh, I don't think he's across all of the issues when it comes to social media and the internet. So it looks like I have now been disinvited from any future engagement. (laughs) I said he possibly gets stuff wrong from time to time. I have now been disinvited from any future engagement. It's a pleasure to serve, Mr. President. (laughs) There you go. I think you're being a bit cynical. Well, I am cynical. I am a cynical guy. Speaking of cynical. As Facebook cracks down on hate speech, it's also reevaluating another policy. Nipples. In early June, 125 people protested in the nude outside of New York City headquarters of Facebook and Instagram. It worked. Imagine that. With all of the issues that we have, with the internet, with data mining, with social media, with Facebook's um, long-recorded issues with privacy, right? Most people, eh, whatever, eh. Eh, okay. Eh. I don't care. What? What are they doing? What are they doing? What are they selling my personal information to corporations? Well, well, you know, they've got to make money, am I right? What are they doing? Um, calling calling various personalities dangerous and then allowing death threats against them. Well, I mean, I never liked that Alex Jones guy anyway, so what's the difference? Who cares? It's probably better if these far-right extremists are wiped from the internet. Am I right? No problem there. What are they doing? Running, running social experiments to intentionally try to make us depressed to see what kind of effect it has on our buying and our consumption habits. Well... You know, I didn't... I did, well, they've got to try and... It's science. It's science. How can you be against science, right? But then all of a sudden, what are they doing? They're not letting us post our nipples online. You fucking Nazis! This is bullshit! Get everybody! I want everybody in the street right now! We are protesting this tyranny! Can you believe that Facebook isn't letting me post pictures of my nipples? Fucking What? What? That's absurd. How can they get away with this? I know, right? Fucking Hitler over here. It's like, oh, okay. Now we care. Now we can muster up 125 protesters to march down there in the nude. Free the nipple. Free the nipple. What about the unpersoning? What about the data mining? What about the privacy issues? What about all of the other shit we've been talking about? Eh, well, yeah, I mean, they got to make money. It's science. 
it's probably better if the far-right extremists are taken off Facebook. But if you come after our nipples, there'll be fucking trouble, mate. There will, we will have words if you come after our nipples. I mean, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. <laughs> it just goes to show where people's heads are at. Shows the priorities that the online community, by and large, is willing to get upset over. Data mining, yeah. Security, yeah. Privacy, yeah. Unpersoning and deplatforming, yeah. Not letting me post pictures of my disgusting nipples online. Well, that's a that's a different story altogether. I won't stand for this kind of censorship. Uh, I'm not even going to read it. It's too fucking ridiculous. It's too ridiculous. Um, let's like while I'm on a roll, while I'm getting angry and upsetting people, let me tell you why I don't like this. <laughs> let me let me continue to uh, piss off the remaining audience that I have. Like I said, we might burn it all down tonight. Who's to say? Soccer shocker. This is on Hannity's website. It's a shocker. World Cup star Megan Rapinoe protests as NYPD officer sings US anthem. And you can see there Megan with the shit-eating grin. Mm-hmm. 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 Here's the thing. Um, so what? Now, I understand people get upset. I understand people are offended by this kind of behavior. But you have to look at what's happening here. She is trolling you. She's trolling you. Nobody has, nobody gave a single fuck about the women's football team until she started doing this. And now she's getting printed in all of the publications, all of the TV networks want to talk to her because she's being a little activist. Ah, oh, fuck the president. Yeah, fuck the flag. It is the Kaepernick formula. Nobody nobody gave a fuck about Colin Kaepernick before he, he started kneeling. Now he's making more money telling people how much he hates the flag than he ever did playing football. He is, he is 10 times more famous now than he was when he was an average quarterback. She is trolling you. Nobody, nobody even knew Megan Rapinoe's name before all of this nonsense. And so, you know, I understand like the conservative the conservative reaction to want to get really angry and upset. Oh, look at this. Look at this awful leftist person not not honoring the flag and dishonoring our veterans and stuff. But we've seen this formula before. And it only leads in amplification for her and her little her little shtick here. So just just ignore the bitch. Seriously. So, so if, if someone says to you, Megan, Megan Rapinoe, Megan Rapinoe uh, dishonoured the anthem the other day. Say, Who the fuck is Megan Rapinoe? Why, why do I care about a women's footballer? Women's football stinks. She doesn't like the president? So what? Millions of people don't like him. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> because when we jump on these little outrage bandwagons, the story then becomes the outrage. We make the story about the outrage instead of the person. The story now is like, ah, oh, all of these conservatives. Well, I wish you cared more about children being put in cages. Oh, the cons the conservatives are triggered. They're triggered now. They're snowflakes. Oh, ho, ho. Right? 
makes people look silly. So I get it, you know. Here's a little bit of her speech. <laughs> We're going to play a speech now. I'm just full of contradictions tonight. Thank you for that. That means the world to us. Must be the flu. I think I'll just end with this. Um, this is my charge to everyone. Okay. We have to be better. <laughs> we have to love more. <laughs> it's like she's accepting a fucking Academy Award now. All of these speeches are the same. Every single one of them. Like, get up there, say thank you for supporting the team. It was great working with the team. We had a tremendous World Cup. We worked really hard. We played really well. Thanks so much to the team. Nobody nobody gives a fuck what you think about world peace. This isn't a Miss America pageant. You are not Meryl Streep. <laughs> you are a relatively unknown footballer in the world of women's football, which nobody likes. And two weeks after this, you will continue to be irrelevant like you were two weeks before the World Cup started and everybody was sticking a camera in the face, in your face because you were saying how much you hate Donald Trump like every other famous arsehole does these days. This is my charge to everyone. And my charge to everyone. We have to be better. We have to be better. We have to love more. We. Hate less. Hate we gotta less. listen more and talk less. We, <laughs> we got to love more and hate less. Unless you're one of those, unless you're one of those Trump-supporting conservative bigots, then fuck you. Am I right? Fuck those guys. We don't listen to those guys. You gotta know that this is everybody's responsibility. Every single person here, every single person who's not here, every single person who doesn't want to be here, no. Every single person who agrees and doesn't agree, it's our responsibility to make this world a better place. Sweet. So go into the White House then. <laughs> And so what will you be dining? What will you be having for dinner when you meet the president? I think this team does an incredible job of taking that on our shoulders and understanding the position that we have and the platform that we have within this world. Yes, we play sports. Yes, we play The platform that you're going to have for about another three or four days before everybody moves on and nobody will care about women's football again. Soccer. Yes, we're female athletes, but we're so much more than that. Ah, uh. You're so much more. We're, we're also anti-Trump activists. Well, I am anyway. The best part about this, when she was giving her little speech and she was giving like little sly remarks about politics, and I'm going to get to the issue of bringing politics into everything in a moment. But when she was giving this little speech, making sly little remarks, the team wasn't 100% behind her. There was a lot of people in the team looking at her going, oh, really? Megan's, Megan's at it again. It's like we can't take Megan anywhere. Megan would be the kind of girl that you would take for, you know, a nice dinner or something. And if the waiter comes over and has a Mexican accent, she would start talking to him about immigration reform. You know what I mean? She's that kind of person. Like if you introduce Megan to a friend that happens to be gay, straight away she would be talking about what an evil homophobe Donald Trump is. And the gay guy would be like, yeah, I thought, aren't we just going to a movie? You know, I don't, I don't really care about politics. How can you not care? How can you not care about politics? How can you not be angry by what this guy's doing? It's like, Megan, give it a rest. Give it a break, man. He just wants to watch the movie. He's just bringing us a burrito. He's working for $5 an hour bringing us burritos. Leave the man alone. You're making him uncomfortable. Well, he should be uncomfortable. 
This is important shit we're talking about here. He needs to be uncomfortable. This is a this is a matter of national urgency. More than that. You're more than a fan. You're more than someone who just supports sports. You're more than someone who tunes in every four years. More than woman. Oh, you are more than a woman to me. You're someone who walks these streets every single day. Walking these streets every single day, baby. You interact with your community every single day. How do you make your community better? How do you make the people around you better? Your family, your closest friends, the 10 closest people to you, the 20 closest people to you, the most 100 closest people to you. Fuck is she talking about? (laughs) What is she talking about? (laughs) <laughs> generally the chat since when does ellen play soccer she's very talented is our ellen i mean this <laughs> i think i think she's been celebrating for a few days you know what i mean she's obviously been hard on the adult sodas and the celebration juice and she's she's probably been have she's probably had in the last few days a lot of late nights with the other girls who agree with her and they've been up late drinking wine maybe having a little smoke just to celebrate and they've been sitting around at three o'clock in the morning in their New York hotel rooms solving the world's fucking problems. You know what I mean? They've been sitting there going, well, you know, man, it's, it, I mean, it was good to win and everything, but I mean, look, people people only care because, you know, we're, we're against Donald Trump and we have, a plat- we have an important platform and the other people in the team are like, Megan, you are so right. We have to use this platform to like help bring love into the world. You are so right, Megan. We have to stand up for the people who can't stand up for themselves. We have to use this moment. Yeah, and room service is like, I'm just, I'm just here to give you a burrito. I'm just here to deliver a burrito. No tip. No tip. <laughs> it's every single person's responsibility. There's been so much contention in these last years. I've been a victim of that. I've been a perpetrator of that. With our fight with the Federation. Sorry for some of the things I said. (laughs) Not all of the things. You know what? It's not every person's responsibility. It's not every person's responsibility to perpetuate your ideology on the rest of the world. Fuck you. How about that? How about that? It's not your responsibility. You you are free to be a big as big of a jerk as you want to be. That's what freedom is. You don't have to go around to a hundred people every day and talk about how love is important and how we all need to get together and we all have a responsibility to love each other and shit. You can if you want. You don't have to do that. You don't. You're not responsible for that. You're not responsible for the stupidity of somebody else, and you should never feel responsible for the stupidity of somebody else. It's like when people say. You know, if they don't like the president or they don't like a particular politician, both sides, both sides of the aisle, right? If they say something like, oh man, what that guy does is so embarrassing. I'm so embarrassed by that. I'm like, why are you getting embarrassed for what somebody else does? That's weird. That's a little sick. Why are you so emotionally invested in the actions of this politician who you've never met, who you know nothing about? Who wouldn't, who wouldn't be able to pick you out of a police lineup? Why are you so emotionally invested in this person that when they do something, you feel personal embarrassment? Like, you have a psychological issue at that point. Fucking chill. Relax. 
You do you. And people are flawed. And if you're a jerk one day and you feel bad about it, great. Next day, don't be don't be such a jerk. <laughs> I once had a friend tell me, <clears throat> we were talking about like philosophy and theology and stuff, having a very boring late night conversation. <clears throat> Pardon me. And, you know, I was talking about Christian ethics and shit like that. And in a very Australian way, he turned around to me and he said, uh, you know, Boogie, the whole Bible can be summed up in one sentence. Don't be a cunt. <laughs> and I thought that would be tremendous if the Bible, you just open it up, just one line. Don't be a cunt. I was like, okay, we got it. Done. Sorted. All right, everybody down with that? Let's go. Let's go drink some water, water wine. Who wants fish for dinner? Oh, fish again? Can't he turn anything? Can he Can he not make pizza? Can he not make a kebab or something? Why do we have to have fish every single day? But it's time to come together. This conversation is at the next step. We have to collaborate. It takes everybody. This is my charge to everybody. Do what you can. Do what you have to do. Step outside yourself. Be more. Be better. Be bigger than you've ever been before. Yep. And now I'm going to retire to my mansion with my World Cup trophy and drink wine for the next few days and celebrate and watch as the the offers of writing a book and doing TV interviews and paid appearances because I said how much I hate the president and I refuse to salute the flag and stuff, which I'm free to do. But now I'm going to watch the fucking money roll in because I haven't got much time left in my football career. And let's be fair, they, football teams don't pay well enough anyway for me. So I'm going to watch the money roll in being an anti-Donald Trump activist. Good times. And I'm going to be stepping outside. I'm going to be sacrificing. I'm going to be the best damn anti-American spokesman that I can be. Every single day, I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be walking the streets. It's everyone's responsibility to amplify my message. Do what you can. If this team is any representation of what you can be when you do that, please take this as an example. This group is incredible. We took so much on our shoulders. Oh, yeah, all right. Done. Um, here's the other thing, too. There are people in our society in the Western world who want to and who have successfully injected politics into everything, into every aspect of our lives. Sport was, for the most part, an escape from the shitty political reality of daily life. Whether it's politics in high office or politics in the office that you work in. Sport was a way, sport is a great leveller in society. Because the richest guy versus the poorest guy can sit next to each other at a sporting event and cheer for the same team. For the couple of hours that the team is playing, everybody in the stands is an equal if you know what I mean, right? But they have successfully now injected politics into sports, into movies, into everything. Because that's what they wanted. You see, because if you're not an activist, then you are surplus to requirements, comrade. If you're not doing your absolute best every single day to convince every single person and amplify your message to every single possible human being on earth, then you are surplus to the requirements of the movement, comrade. And if you're not part of the solution, then you are part of the problem, etc., etc., etc. All of the usual tropes. 
So we had to inject politics into everything. And now that politics is in everything, you're being told that if you're not on board with the politics, that you're the problem. So I say, fine, let's inject politics into everything. Then This is what you wanted. They're complaining that things are being politicized. This is exactly what you wanted. And you have now made everybody so sick of you because you are everywhere with your political messaging. Harassing the fucking, harassing the busboy at a Mexican restaurant about immigration reform. Protesting at national sporting events. When what would have been once a uniting endeavor for a nation to support a team, you had to turn it into a political exercise. You had to turn it into a protest. You had to turn it into a divisive action. And then you've got the audacity. And then you've got the audacity to come out and say, oh, we need to love. We need to get together whether you agree or disagree. We need to be united. <laughs> no. No, darling. You see, because you decided to make it political and you decided to be the activist and you decided to make it about your political message, people don't have to be united with you. In fact, people can give you one of these, right? And say, fuck off. Oh, you're going to do your little protest? You, you, you want to talk about how much you hate the president? Great. Great. Don't care. Fuck off. Fuck off. So that's, that's the issue I have then when we have, you know, the conservative outrage machine amplifying doing the bidding of these people doing the bidding of these people getting them more attention getting them more play getting them more spread creating the very thing that they are artificially trying to fight against how about instead of oh shocker this is horrible this is offensive she should be ashamed of herself she should resign blah 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 how about how about just this oh Really? Fuck off. <laughs> Wouldn't that make the world a better place? Fuck off, Megan. <laughs> Shut up, Meg. Shut up, Meg. <laughs> Done. Done. All right. Let's go over to the UK for a moment. Oh, by the way, little update here. Remember this guy? Remember the ambassador? <clears throat> UK ambassador resigns after leaked memos showed he called Trump inept and insecure. Following the leak, Trump called Kim Darrick a very stupid guy and a pompous fool and said the White House would no longer deal with him. I'm a bit torn on this one because I think um, I think the major concern here for me is not what this guy said about Donald Trump, but the fact that his memo was leaked. I'm more concerned with the leaking of a memo than this guy's personal opinion of Donald Trump. Because just because he has this opinion of Donald Trump doesn't mean that he can't work with him. Or doesn't mean that he can't do his job, which is to represent the UK's uh, foreign policy in America. Right? But uh, I'm kind of like, well, fuck him. Because he was a bit of a pompous prick about it when it came out. So, 
The current situation, he said, is making it impossible for me to carry out my role as I would like. Derek, who has been the ambassador to America since 2016, wrote in a letter announcing he was stepping down. Although my posting is not due to end until the end of this year, I believe the current circumstances, the responsible course is to allow the appointment of a new ambassador. So another one by the wayside. Another guy by the wayside. Of course, um, according to Yahoo News, Boris Johnson is to blame. <laughs> Boris Johnson blamed for UK ambassador quitting because the, the corporate press in the United Kingdom really don't like Boris Johnson. They really don't want him to be the prime minister. So the UK ambassador made comments about the US president, Donald Trump, in a private memo. The private memo gets leaked. Donald Trump says, well, fuck that ambassador guy. He's a fool. The ambassador resigns. This is Boris Johnson's fault. <laughs> so with that in mind, I wanted to have a look at this little video. Uh, meet the young Tories helping to decide the UK's next leader. Because in the world of the corporate press, ladies and gentlemen, when you come across a young person who is also a conservative, you, they are to be treated like a Bigfoot sighting. This is like an alien sighting. Really? I didn't even th I didn't even think these things existed. You you mean you found a young person who votes conservative? What the hell? Did you take a picture of it? Where did you Where did you make this sighting? The young conservatives in the bar are shying away from the corporate press lenses. Rarely seen in these parts of London, they herd together in one group, always being sure not to reveal their ideology to those around them. The young conservative is preyed upon by the other people in the bar. <laughs> a group of young people meeting up in a bar might not, not seem that unusual, until perhaps you learn who they are. Hi, Emily. Hi. I'm Dash. Nice, nice to meet you. you. Come meet everyone. I bet this wasn't what you expected. You, you can't have you can't have a young conservative group nowadays unless you have a pretty blonde. Have you noticed that? Conservatives are just falling over themselves to find pretty young blondes, <laughs> whether it's Tommy Laren, whether it's this girl, whether it's Lauren Southern, Faith Goldie. It's like we got we got one. We found one. Bring her in. Finally, another pretty blonde girl. <laughs> and it may not be what you were expecting either, for this group of 18 to 24-year-olds are all card-carrying members of the Tory party, although they might not always want to admit it. I very foolishly put One Nation Conservative on my Tinder profile. There was this girl that I super liked, she responded to it. Often, often cited in the dark corners of the internet. Saying genuinely, why do you hate poor people? And what were you expecting? Because you haven't been to a young Tory gathering before. I was expecting kind of like, you know, mini Boris Johnson's running around and like yellow tweed coats and stuff. And it's not, it's completely not at all. They've been brought together for us by a gap year student who used to be a social media influencer for the controversial right-wing group Turning was. Point UK. Of course she, she now was. wants to change perceptions of young conservatives. Hi, I'm Emily, I'm 19, I'm a Conservative Party member and I'm backing Boris. So people look at me and they automatically think that I'm a bimbo, they think that I'm never going to be interested <laughs> in politics and they definitely do not think that I'm going to be Conservative. 
In many ways, they are unusual. Of around 160,000 party members, it's estimated that just 7% are aged between 18 and 24. Only 7% of the youth in the UK have bonded together with the Tory party. An incredibly rare sighting, but not so rare, the pretty blonde right-wing influencer, which are, becoming, which are becoming more common in recent years. The likes of Lauren Southern, Faith Goldie and Tommy Laren have paved a path for young pretty blonde people to call themselves influencers and make money on Instagram and Twitter by saying controversial, conservative things. As there are a lot of thirsty, <laughs> as there are a lot of thirsty, single, celibate males in the conservative movement, even the scent, just the slight scent of some conservative gash is enough to make the male's tongues hit the floor and enough to make them hand over their PayPal accounts willingly. Our future is in their hands. They've all had their leadership ballot papers and get to help choose our next Prime Minister. We wanted to find out how they'll decide. My name's Josh Smith, I'm 20, and you might not think it, but I'm a member of the Conservative Party, and I'm back in Jerry. Not with that bloody haircut, you're not. <laughs> Hello, my name's Josh, I'm a member of the Conservative Party. No, not with that bloody haircut, mate. You're not coming to any Conservative gathering with that mop on your head, I tell you what now. Get yourself down the barber, get yourself a razor. I want a nice short back in size. I'm not going to be seen dead in a conservative rally with you, mate. Running around here looking like a bloody hippie. Let me hunt for leader, because for me, it hashtag has to be hunt. Has to be hunt. I think people see Tories as all white and all old and all male. And I think personally from some uh, members of the black community, they've been quite shocked to find that I'm a conservative. They've called me names like Uncle Tom, uh, Coconut. Who thinks that they'll vote for Boris Johnson? Okay, five of you. What about Jeremy Hunt? Three. So three of you. And undecided? Two. So at the minute, Boris has it. You might as well Churchill so much. Churchill so much before the war, unreliable, buffoon, absolutely not trusted, <laughs> right? If he has a team around and him... And Franklin in the chat. And take off that blouse! <laughs> so, he'll be the best Prime Minister we've ever had, really. Although numerous polls suggest Boris is the front-runner, there's a concern here about how he plays to younger voters. 18-year-old Rebecca Ray describes herself as a feminist. The, the thing you said about the letterbox is it, it just shows a lack of tolerance towards, you know, certain people and it alienates voters as well, which is, you know, it's the 21st century and Boris doesn't really feel like a 21st century Prime Minister. Um... <laughs> so... While, while we're all getting excited and reading polls about, oh, the young people are getting more conservative. This is the most conservative generation. Remember, we watched a video the other day of Mary Ann Williamson, who, after all of her socialist policies were outlined, didn't call herself a socialist, but rather a capitalist with a conscience. And we made the, you know, we theorized from that, that ideologies and definitions just don't matter anymore. Just doesn't matter. People can just make up whatever they want now. Oh, I'm not a socialist. I'm a I'm a cons I'm a capitalist with a conscience, which is why I want all of these socialist policies. That's what we're calling it now. Did you get the memo? Didn't you get the memo? That's what it's called. <laughs> so before we go around celebrating and cheering and going, oh, the the kids are really conservative now. Uh, yes, you just watched a conservative say that 
you know, I just think what Boris Johnson said was really intolerant and it's not, I mean, it's the 21st century. We're living in current year, guys, okay? And I just think it's really divisive and we don't need that kind of uh, bigoted and intolerant speech. So I just say if it's very unprime ministerial. Oh, yeah, I'm a conservative, by the way. I'm a conservative. Free speech and all that. Yeah, love it. Big fan. Love the, love the, what are they called again? The Tories. Yeah, big fan of them. Love them. With Jeremy Hunt's track record, I think he's perfect to deliver Brexit. And actually, his domestic agenda is actually rather Thatcherite and rather good. So you're a fan of Thatcher? Oh, I'm Thatcher's biggest yeah. fan. <laughs> Honestly, I have, I have a giant poster of Thatcher in my house. What was quite disappointing, I felt, and it was shared by a lot of young Conservatives on Twitter, is that the Twitter. top two were Johnson and Hunt. We want someone a bit more exciting, someone with a bit more personality. And when you've got characters previously, like Theresa May, that's saying the most rebellious thing she's done is run through a field of wheat. I mean, it's so unrelatable to us. So who is more relatable? According to the latest YouGov... I guess this is the thing. If if conservatism is the new counterculture, then you have to expect a whole bunch of people are going to get on board with the subculture regardless of what they actually think the subculture really is. Does that make sense? Like, if there is an underground subterranean brewing and for some reason conservatism is becoming cool again, for whatever reason that is then you're going to have to now put up with a whole bunch of people who say that they're conservative for the coolness factor, for the rebellious factor. Oh, man, yeah, I'm an edgy social media guy. I'm an edgy right-winger. I mean, I love Lauren Southern. I love Faith Goldie. I love Milo Yiannopoulos. I mean, it's just so cool. And, like, I'm a conservative, but, I mean, Boris Johnson... I mean, we really need to progress past saying these intolerant things and these divisive things because, I mean, it's 2019, right? <laughs> so that's that's going to be part of it. And whereas now people make videos, man-on-the-street videos, interviewing people who call themselves liberals who don't know the first thing about liberalism, that's going to happen at, to the other side as well. That will start happening to conservatives. So you call yourself a conservative. Yeah, I do. Great. So what do you think about um, free healthcare, for example? Well, obviously, free healthcare should be, that's a human right. But you're a conservative, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Pinochet, poses. Poll. Only 13% of 18 to 24-year-olds would vote Tory at the next general election, far behind those in that age group who would vote Labour. Why can Jeremy Corbyn appeal to people your age? and yet the Tories can't. I think it's because Corbyn sounds like he's one of them, he's on their side, whereas the Tories, we sometimes fall into the trap of talking too much to pensioners. Like I've seen lots of people complain that Conservatives are doing nothing about the future of our planet, but actually the Conservatives, I think, have been doing a lot for the environment um, recently. So I think that if more uh, coverage is given to what is being done for young people and then moving it away from this toxic um, image and lack of focus for young people... Do you think the party's still got a toxic image, then? Not necessarily. Um, yeah, actually, and I would say. Uh, <laughs> I mean, God bless them for trying. Good luck to them. Good luck to them. You've got to start somewhere. And they are only kids. They're only like 18, 19. I mean, but don't you think it's a little disconcerting to have 
people who are social media influencers for the conservative movement who are 18 and 19 and don't know their arsehole from their ear hole yet. Just putting that out there. Not saying all 18 and 19 year olds are clueless, but just through experience that they don't have, the experience that they lack. Right? Do you want um, 18 and 19 year olds out there speaking for the conservative movement? I mean, it might be good sometimes, but you've got to take the good with the bad. And the bad is you're going to get a lot of people who are just along for the ride. It is what it is. It is what it is. Let's do something a bit different. Oh, uh, before we get off the UK, a follow-up. Do you remember the story we did a few a uh, few weeks ago now about the facial recognition software in London? And the black, the government black vans, I shit you not. It was like it was lifted directly from a dystopian novel. And we were talking about, shit, if you're going to have facial recognition cameras on the streets of London, feeding everybody's image into a government database, why do you have to make the van black? Like, can you be any more stereotypical? Why not paint it rainbow colours? Do something. Why does the van have to be black? <laughs> An unmarked black van taking everybody's photograph. It's like we have really lost all imagination. At least try to have a little fun with the surveillance state, if nothing else. Maybe apply one of those Instagram filters to everybody who goes through the government database. That would be a start. They'll be like, yeah, the government's taking my picture, but do you see they put bunny ears on me? Oh. <laughs> you see how cute I am? <laughs> Maybe we could do that. Something like that. So a follow-up, because we had the um, the spokesman for this horrific over-policing say, and and the 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 drive, the photo, the facial recognition software has actually been successful. After three weeks of trialing, the police have rounded up three individuals that they were looking for. <laughs> They took the photograph of hundreds of thousands of people and took, put it into a database and they caught not one, not two, but three guys who probably had unpaid parking tickets. It's like, bravo, bravo. So this came out a few days ago, a little bit of a follow-up to the over-policing success story that we did three weeks ago. If you were a Notting Hill Carnival in 2017, then your face was on display. Not just the fellow revellers, but the Metropolitan Police, who were monitoring the crowd in one of ten trials of facial recognition. The effectiveness of the controversial programme has been unknown until now. Oh, good. Let's see how effective it is. It gave us kind of full access to everything, really, as a measure of transparency. The first independent evaluation, seen exclusively by Sky News, has finally delivered its verdict. Put simply... The Met's facial recognition is just not accurate. In 42 cases, eight of those were correct. <laughs> In 42 cases, eight of them were correct. Bravo. Bravo, government. Bravo, Mr. Government. I so I feel so safe knowing that the video cameras are out there monitoring my every move, making sure I'm not up to any kind of tomfoolery. And hopefully, after a couple of years of this kind of 
overbearing, tyrannous surveillance, we can catch eight perpetrators. <laughs> eight. Eight. It's like the Willy Wonka thing. How many people did you catch? Eight, sir. Okay, you caught 8,000 criminals. No, sir. Okay, 800 criminals. No, no, just eight. Just eight? That's an error rate of 81%. An error rate, an error rate of 81%. Yeah. (laughs) We got it wrong 81% of the time. Smooth Jimmy Apollo. (laughs) Well, folks, when you're right 19% of the time, you're wrong 81% of the time. Predicting the Mets claim of 0.1% inaccuracy. (laughs) So the police, the police, the police predicted 0.1% inaccuracy. They got 81%. Oh, shit. I forgot to carry the, carry the eight there. Uh. <laughs> on the basis that, say, 20,000 people walk past the camera and it gets one alert wrong out of those 20,000. That's one in 20,000. That's not even the biggest difference of opinion because the report concludes it was highly possible the Met was acting illegally. One of the key standards in human rights law and human rights compliance is to avoid what's known as arbitrary interference. By the- so, so what? who the hell do you call when the police are breaking the law now? When the government authorises the police to break the law, that's what happened here. The government authorised the Basically, they turned them into vigilantes. The government said to the police, all right, we want you to illegally photograph everybody in order to catch people doing illegal things. You got it, sir. You got it, boss. Great idea. It was illegal. <laughs> and nobody cares. This is this this is a sad state of affairs. Like like the people protesting Facebook because they can't post pictures of their nipples anymore. People won't get upset by this. People will not care. And what's worse is the politicians and the police will actually come out and say, "Well, this proves that we need to spend more money. We need to do it better." Sure, we had an 81% unsuccessful re- uh, hit rate. But that just proves to us that we have to spend more money. We need billions more. We need more cameras. Because if we double down, then we can halve that unsuccessful rate to 40%. And then we're on our way to 100% total compliance. So just give us more money and we will perfect it. I I swear. This time, I promise. If you give us all the money we want, we need at least 10 times as much money. Just give us all the money we want and then we'll fix it. Pinochet says, don't worry, the young conservatives will be clearing this up soon. Yes, they will. <laughs> you'll, you'll have the pretty blonde influencer on the news. Well, see, I'm a conservative and I voted for Boris Johnson and I don't think, I don't think anybody should have a problem with surveillance because really it's all about security. We all want everybody to feel safe and as I, as a conservative, conservative young woman and as a social media influencer, I know that I have a target on my back. So if I know that the police and the government are watching my every move and doing what they can to make me feel safe, then this is exactly the kind of thing we should be going for. As conservatives, we should absolutely be backing more spending in terms of safety and public order. 
this is what I like. And I'll be like, the brown shirt is in the mail, young lady. Well done. State, so there are clear procedures and processes that the Met need to, or any police force oh, or Nef- anyone... Oh, Nephilim in the chat says, our government is using sound weapons to push teenagers out of parks. I want to show you something. <laughs> because I'm way ahead of you. Look what I've got. <laughs> That's next. <laughs> trying to use this technology need to adhere to. So unless they can be met, then the technology should not be used. That's welcome news to anti-surveillance campaigners. For them to come out with such a strong message as part of the formal evaluation of how facial recognition has worked, telling the police to put this down, this is absolutely definitive, and I think there's really no recovery from this point. In a statement, the Met said... We are extremely disappointed with the negative and unbalanced tone of this report. We have a legal basis for this pilot period and have taken legal advice throughout. We believe the public would absolutely... We have a legal basis for this pilot period. It was legal for the time that we decided. So shut the fuck up, get your photo taken and don't cause a ruckus. All right, my son. Can you hear it? Sonic devices play high-pitched noises to repel teens. In Philadelphia. Uh, You know how it's wrong to... Apparently it's wrong to refer to uh, people as animals. Remember that? You can't tell people... You can't call people animals. How can we best get the teenagers to stay away from the park? I know. Let's bombard their brain and their eardrums with sounds that would make a dog want to chew its own head off. Can we do that? In Philadelphia, 30 parks and recreation centres are outfitted with small a small speaker called the Mosquito. It blares a constant high-pitched ringing noise all night long, but one that only teenagers and young adults can hear. It's ageist. Anyone aged over 25 is supposed to be immune basically because their ear cells have started to die off. Philadelphia Parks officials have been installing the device since 2014. Who knew? Who knew? Since 2014, there is a whole subterranean world of bureaucrats and people in law enforcement and government employees, public servants, who just dedicate their lives to discovering new and wonderful ways to fuck your day up. Coming up with all of these little schemes and these little plans and allocating money to companies that make devices which are designed to shoo teenagers out of parks using high-pitched noises that only they can hear. And who knew? Since 25 years this has been going on. Who's, who's talked about it? Who's mentioned it? Has anybody come up to them and said, hey, do you really think we should be doing this to people? Don't you think this is kind of overstepping the bounds? Don't you think this is kind of going a level beyond Don't you think this is a little bit out of our jurisdiction? Shut up. You don't care about solutions. (laughs) General's going to install it at communist bookstores. Not a bad idea. Philadelphia Parks officials, uh, it's not the only US city to do so. so. Mosquitoes, Vancouver-based manufacturer. So it's a Canadian company, of course. Of course. If you thought the sound of Canadians couldn't get any more annoying, guess again. We're now monetizing it. 
works with roughly 20 parks departments around the country to implement the youth repellent devices. A youth repellent device. Wow. It's intended to prevent loitering and vandalism by teens and young adults at public facilities, but some say this age-based targeting is a form of prejudice. Mm, You don't say. In a city that is trying to address gun violence and safe spaces for young people, how dare we come up with ideas that are funded by taxpayer dollars to turn young people away from the very places that we created for them. Despite the intended 13-25 to year old target range, 27-year-old Mary-Kate Rikes said she can hear the mosquito installed a few blocks from her fishtown home. It gives her headaches when she strolls the neighbourhood. It's almost more like feeling than a feeling than a sound. It's kind of in the back of your head, she said. At least for me, it gives me a headache if I'm near it too long, so I usually skip around this block or walk, uh, walk away very quickly. Uh, what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Someone made a mention about the sex robots. Beyond sex robots, Aerobotics explores erotic human-machine interactions. So there's now, you'll be pleased to know, um, the sex robot world has gone beyond the seedy uh, warehouses where naked representations of female forms are hanging by their neck from the roof whilst people install robotic vaginas in them. We've gone beyond that seedy world. It is now a form of academic study called aerobotics. Aerobotics. <laughs> In addition to our research on the topic, uh, hang on. Human research on human-machine interaction is still in its early stages, particularly in the areas of intimacy and sexuality. In addition to our research on the topic, we have also been involved in spearheading initiatives to remedy the lack of knowledge on intimate human-machine relationships. In this spirit, we organised the first colloquium on aerobotics on the 87th Annual Congress of the Association Francophone Hoa-Lesavia. There, researchers discussed various themes ranging from media and gender representations of sexual technologies to their medical and therapeutic potential. Yes, the gender war is hitting a sex robot store near you. Intimacy and sexuality may be just some of the most important areas to consider when it comes to the AI revolution because new advanced technologies increase the possibilities of human interaction with artificial erotic agents or aerobots. The term aerobot characterizes all virtual embodied and augmented, uh, augmented artificial erotic agents as well as the technologies that produce them. One of the most infamous type of aerobot is the human-like sex robot, However, sex robots only represent a fraction of what aerobots are and can be as the result of an advancement, combination, and the interconnectivity of new technologies. This is brain-melting stuff. There was this movie in 2013 called Her. I never saw it. These partners will be able to manifest themselves through various interfaces such as cell phones, computers, gaming consoles, and virtual reality equipment, They will be able to take a variety of forms and enact unlimited behaviours in simulated worlds. The ability to think and learn in fundamentally different ways than humans will allow for a wide range of new intimate human-machine relationships, redefining what it means to fall in love and have sex (coughs) with artificial beings. The great disappointment for this is going to be when they realise that 
even with all of this wondrous knowledge and even with the ability to learn all that there is to know on planet Earth, eventually the sex robot is just going to teabag you. <laughs> I have studied the ways I have studied I have studied the ways of lovemaking around the world. I have intricately researched every single orgasm that has ever been had by humankind of all time. Now, let me teabag you. <laughs> like shit. Thought we were going to get something special here. No, doggy style really is just the best it gets. Sorry. The study of human robot interactions. It's an emerging field of transdisciplinary research exploring our interaction with artificial erotic agents as well as the technology that produces them. Aerobotics focuses on the social, relational, and agent, uh, agential aspects of artificial agents and the fact that we increasingly treat them as social actors in their own rights. The sex robots are going to have rights, ladies and gentlemen. Can't wait for that. Isn't that going to be sensational? Isn't that going to be wonderful? Because we remember, we read the story the other day that um, the sex robots may be accused of rape in the future. <laughs> and the judge will turn around to the victim of the sex robot rape and say, well, maybe you shouldn't have been asking for it so much, which is a form of victim blaming. You see, when your sex robot um, has a malfunction, somebody needs to be responsible for that. When the sex robot doesn't listen to you when you say no, somebody needs to be held accountable for your rape. This was the argument being presented. Never mind that. Free money. This is the craziest video you will see all day long. Crazy. Money. <laughs> he thinks this is the craziest thing we'll see all day long. We just read a story about... We read a story about high-pitched machines repelling teenagers with like dog whistles, literally dog whistle politics. We read a story about a new area of study, which is to study the sexual relationships between human beings and machines. And this guy's like, now for the craziest thing you're gonna see all day. It was literally raining down on I-285. On I-285, a viewer sent us his video showing cash all over the highway in Dunwoody last night. And oh, looky, looky here. People just happened to pull over <laughs> to take a look at this cash and put some in their cars. Dunwoody police tell us an armored car's side door flew open near Ashford. When did news readers get so bad? Oh, and looky here. People pull over to take a look of this cash and put some in their cars. <laughs> Maybe all the news readers are already robots. I'm not sure. Dunwoody Road causing that money to fall out. Now, I've been watching this video here, and I've seen, I mean, I've seen everybody. Someone's I've in a bathing suit. People in bathing suits. That person was driving a logging truck. People stopping to see. Maybe they're going to say, look, we're just going to give that money right back. We're asking a poll question if all that, that cash grabbed, if they should be allowed. I mean, look at the poll. Should the I-285 cash grabbers be allowed to keep the money? 70% <laughs> of people say yes. <laughs> now, of course, it's not their money, right? But it's like, what What do you think? This, do you think this is some kind of fucking gift here? Like, do you think maybe once a year the city should just uh, fill a blimp or a massive piñata full of money and send it up into the sky and then release it? Like, once a year, do you think that if you if you did that as a mayor of a city, 
you would never lose another election. We'll call it money day. Free money day. We put up a big blimp in the sky. People can shoot it down and the money comes out. It's a tremendous day. Bring the kids. Bring your parents. Should people be allowed to keep the money? (laughs) 70%. So yeah, why not? Once, Once money hits the ground, it belongs to whoever picks it up. Didn't you know that? Were you not aware of this rule? It's playground rules, baby. If money falls out of somebody's pocket, that's yours now. You can have it. Finders keepers. Exactly. <laughs> Finders keepers. Got one more quick story here before I take a break. And if you want to call in, then uh, now would be the time to head into the Discord, jump in the waiting room, and we'll get to you right after a very short break. I love my neighborhood cafe, but I think the owners are anti-vaxxers. Do I have to dump them? This comes from the good people of Slate. I moved to my area about six years ago, but I didn't truly become part of the wonderfully tight-knit local community until giving birth to my now five-month-old daughter. It's been great getting to know other local parents and their kids, and I was especially excited when one family opened a cafe on our street. Yay! The shop has quickly become a neighborhood hub. Everyone gathers there for coffee before and after mother's groups, walks to the park, or play dates. However, Following the cafe's Facebook page, I have reason to believe the owners might be anti-vaxxers. Dun, dun, dun! I have no wish to put my daughter at risk before she's old enough to be fully immunised, especially with the current measles scare. Is there a way to ask if the child is running around the business unimmunised? And if he's not, if she's not, do I have to just give up on my newfound mum friends and playdates? I'm new to the group and don't want to make waves, but I also believe in science and I want to protect my baby. Help. What a conundrum. Um, I would suggest to this lady, you absolutely should disown, disassociate and detach yourself from anybody who has a different view from you whatsoever. Never mind just anti-vaxxers, because if they're anti-vaxxers, they probably listen to far right-wing extremists like Alex Jones, am I right? And they should all be banned off Facebook. So... If they're anti-vaxxers, they probably follow a whole bunch of really weird conspiracy websites. And you don't want your kid mixing with those kids. I mean, one day they're playing pleasantly in the cafe garden. The next day, they're out there running people over in Charlottesville. And you can't have that. You absolutely need to avoid that at all cost. I mean, you want you you want you love your baby's bald head, but you don't want them to have a bald head forever. You don't want them to be a neo-Nazi. You don't want them wearing Doc Martens and goose-stepping around town, embarrassing you. So anybody who is an anti-vaxxer, you should absolutely cut them out of your life because they probably have a lot of other opinions and stuff that you wouldn't like. And just like you should disown anybody in your family who voted for Donald Trump, just like you should disown anybody in your family who believes in borders and sovereignty and all of those kinds of awful, awful bigoted things that just don't go down well at the inner city cafes or the neighborhood hubs with the doctor's wives and their new bubs. Do yourself a favor. Cut all of those people out of your life. Become embittered and lonely and more ensconced in your social media circles that all agree with you. This is the only way to progress to a new future. All right, guys, I'm going to take a very quick, very quick break for a few minutes. If you want to jump on the show, then please jump in the waiting room. If not, I've got a couple more fun articles here to see us through to the end. Thanks so much for being with us. You're listening to the Daily Boogie podcast with Boogie Bumper. 
I'll see you in a few minutes. have a couple of callers so let's get to it thank you for the super hearts so our first guy <clears throat> on the line he's a regular he has often been dubbed as the most entertaining caller that we ever have on the show I'm speaking, of course, of Nova Moon. Are you there, sir? Yes, I am. Thank you for joining us. No, I called because I want to get an assurance from you mm -hmm. that you are not going to immigrate to another country. Okay. And infect people with your sickness. Ah, yes. That's true. Um, do you think maybe I should go to this town where the anti-vaxxer cafe is and start to mingle? Well, you, you're good at that. Yeah, a little bit of mingling. You're a good mingler. Good mingling yes. with the anti-vaxxers. Yes. Why not? Put people's mind at ease. Just because, you're, just because you're not vaccinated doesn't mean you can't live a long and fruitful <coughs> life, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So what's on your mind? Well, earlier when you were talking about Trump, 
uh, full disclosure, when he came down the elevator, I seriously thought that he was a plant mm -hmm. for Hillary. Sure. I'll until I did, well, until I did some research and that's where all this started. I've often thought, what if Donald Trump was the way that the establishment would get the last remaining fringes of the, you know, the new right, the conservative movement, the conspiracy theory movement and the patriot movement on board with the agenda? Wow. Now, the, yesterday I thought of this and I wanted to talk to you about this. Mm -hmm. So, hypothetically, what if they had never tr never done anything to Trump. You know, just like uh, just, you say, just ignore him. Just ignore him. And the media never went after him. Never, you know, they just kind of ignored him. Mm -hmm. Do you think all this stuff would be coming out as far as what they did? Uh, I, I'd go beyond that. I would say that if they ignored him, then there's a there's more of a chance that he wouldn't have got elected in the first place. Well, I didn't think of that. He might not even be there. I would, I would, yeah, I because I was just thinking like, you know, because he did say, "Well, now it's my turn." Mm -hmm. You know, and if they, you know if they didn't bring up all this stuff. Uh, from the Russian collusion and all that stuff. And they just said, you know, just let him do what he wants to do. We'll, we'll get rid of him. Sure. And, you know, and do our stuff later. Because sure. that's happened many, many times where, you know, people have just kind of let a, a politician do stuff. Now, I know that a lot of people in the audience are going, well, they don't agree with me that, mm -hmm that would happen mm -hmm. it, you know would would there even be a cue <laughs> well i don't know <laughs> yeah if all know. this stuff hadn't come out yeah well i think what happened was you know by by going over the top to try to mock the guy they created like a circular amplification so where he would have tweeted to his 50 million followers, maybe 10 million of those would have actually read it and engaged, and like even less than that would have engaged with what he was saying. By putting it on the corporate press, then that had more people going to his Twitter account and then retweeting it. And by them saying like, oh, look at this, it's so ridiculous. Look at him, he's so awful. People started looking at him and that got him the attention that he needed that he, because he wasn't doing the traditional... Um, you know, the, the television news circuit and the newspaper rounds, he wasn't doing the traditional campaign in that sense, right? He wasn't spending the money where politicians usually spend it. So they actually did the, the, the work for him. And that's, he, you know, they admit that. They admit that. That's why you have so many people come out and say, uh, we need to stop reporting on what Donald Trump tweets because we're electing him again. Well, yeah, I do remember where, you know, he did get a lot of press during the campaign because they thought he was a joke yeah and that was intended you know, that, that was that's what because uh you remember it came out from the clinton campaign that they wanted to run against donald trump initially because they wanted him to be the candidate because they thought he was the easiest one to defeat because he was so ridiculous nobody's going to vote for him right 
So they fucked that up. Right. <laughs> they got that wrong. Yeah. They got that wrong. Yeah. So they pushed him and to the top of the pile themselves. But no, it's an interesting point yeah, to raise. What, what would have happened? It's always interesting to ponder the what ifs. Oh, of course. We'll never know. We will never know. Unless, of course, Donald Trump really is a time traveler. Then we'll find out in his book, Baron's book. Baron will go back yes. and find out. Yes. The alternative universe. Uh, I did see Kimmy in the room. I'm not, is she still there? Yeah, she's waiting. She's next up. She's next All right. Up. Have a great night. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Nova Moon. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Do see call you later. again. See ya. All right. Bye. There he goes. And coming up, following right up behind the leader of the death camp, Kimmy Jong-un. Good evening. <laughs> hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. You're cutting out a little bit, but I can hear you. Are you there? Hello? Hello? Hello there? <laughs> okay. Is it your internet connection, maybe? Hello. You're very quiet. Hey. You've gone very quiet. Did you throw your phone across the room or something? Or Yeah. That's better. My, That's better. It. it should be. Now my, we can hear um, my wireless earbuds started sucking up the sound instead of it coming through my phone, and so ah, you got them. You've and got I didn't them, have them in my ears. You got them set on reverse. Uh, I guess I do. Yeah. So, what's, um, so what's on your mind? Dean was in the waiting room with me, and I was going to um, get him to remind me what all you talked about tonight because there was a lot of stuff I wanted that I had an opinion on. You're supposed but to be by taking the time notes. Came, time, <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I keep it all in my head, and You're then I lock student. it up and throw it away forever. Of course. <laughs> I remember, I remember wanting to talk about the Paul Joseph Watson thing some. Okay. But there was something that I liked even better after that. What did Dean talk about? Because I don't want to talk about that. Uh, he said, "What if Trump didn't get elected? Would we still be having the conversation about what people did, and would there be a queue and stuff like that?" Uh, that is a good question. I'll have to listen to the replay for that one. Absolutely. You should you're listen to the replay about anyway. After... I right. will because I want to know what everybody's saying about me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul Joseph Watson. Okay. Um, so, okay. So, the Paul Joseph Watson thing, okay. All, the, all of the whole censorship thing pisses me off. But my thing, and I think you know that, but my thing about the. Um, <clears throat> I had some thoughts about them rescinding, well, not rescind. I didn't like them rescinding Ben Garrison's invitation because just because you don't like one person that happens to be a particular thing doesn't mean you don't like any of those particular things. Mm -hmm. That's kind of... Well, and also he's a, car he's a cartoonist, right? Right, for crying out loud. Right. You're supposed to be able to do that kind of stuff. I mean, the, he drew, he, the guy drew a picture. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. Well, and it wasn't very long ago that they were shooting up uh, newspaper places, Charlie Hebdo, because of something someone drew. And now mm -hmm. in America, we're rescinding invitations to the White House because of something you drew. Well, and it's not even because of something he drew. It's because of something someone said about something he drew, right? That's that's the point. It's, it's, the, it's the inference that somebody took from a picture that they saw. 
which then which then that inference was then passed on to somebody else and somebody else took the word of the person who said that they they drew an inference from an image to then guide their actions and supposedly in the white house in the administration of the guy who's got balls the biggest you know rocks the size of gibraltar and isn't afraid of anyone and doesn't care about offending people mm-hmm. so we have to with this with this image of donald trump the the fearless leader who's not afraid of offending people who doesn't care what anybody says who likes triggering the libtards and the melting the snowflakes and all of that shit uh, we need to disinvite a middle-aged cartoonist because he drew something that someone from Media Matters calls anti-Semitic. Doesn't quite, doesn't quite fit, does it? Doesn't quite fit, does it? No. no, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. But I do understand not inviting people such as Paul Joseph Watson, etc. those people. Well. Because... <laughs> If you've got the well, listen up, listen up, hold on, hold on. Because if you've got the mindset that Charlie freaking Kirk is an extremist, what are you going to do with Paul Joseph Watson? Well, yeah. So I think they, I think they need someone who's a like more middle of the road that can that can actually relate to people, but like see, to more people. But see, that's the thing, right? So this is not a summit about the health of social media. This is a summit of how can we get people in the same room to become you know, unofficial spokespeople for Donald Trump moving into 2020. This is a, this is a, this is an unofficial campaign meeting. Okay. Social media influencers, right? Because Paul Joseph Watson, like he said, anybody who's ever said anything critical of the president was not invited. So, so this is about rallying the troops. This is about getting all the cheerleaders to practice their cheers. Gross. Well, it is what it is, though. I'm not offended by that. But that's that's his opinion. That's that's his opinion, right? That's the that's the inference that I'm taking. I could be wrong. Don't get me wrong. I do, however, um, I do sympathise with not inviting Alex Jones, though, because Alex would be going around to everybody. You know, the fucking globalists are everywhere. <laughs> he would be dominating. <laughs> he would be cutting the president off when he's trying to speak. The hilarity, though. You know, it's it's tremendous. It's great to have all of these people here in the same room. You're all very important people on social media. Yeah, I think what the president is trying to say. <laughs> like, shut up, let him finish, Alex. <laughs> you sound like someone who's watched a few episodes of Infowars. I, I yeah, well, just a couple, but don't tell anyone. It's a dust. I was very disappointed today in your admission, by the way. Mm. Well, I you should. It was going to be actually controversial. I was like, "You do that every fucking day, dude." That's nothing. <laughs> That's nothing. You should. You should see how my mother took the news. She was very less than impressed. I bet she was. I think she, she tried would... to raise you better. I know. I think she's she she's an old um, German immigrant who's a conservative. I think she would prefer if I came out and told her I was gay. Very so, possibly. Yeah. All right, well, I have other things I want to talk about, but I don't even remember what they are, but I'm sure that I had very good points. I'm sure you did. We'll just assume that you did. Okay. Well, I mean, it's a safe assumption, but I do want to ask you a question, and it's not if you'll sing to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How's your finger? Oh, it's getting better slowly. It's getting better. Good. Little infection. All right. It'll be all right. It'll be fine. Oh. All right, Kimbo. All right. Thanks for Rest joining us. in it. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Do call again. <laughs> I will. Okay. I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. There she goes. We've got one more guy on the line. 
I hope he's there. I hope he's ready to go. I hope there's no echo. Stefan Sears. What's up, Mike? Good evening. How you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, wonderful. Um, What's on your mind? Just, oh, brilliant little, well, not brilliant. Little thought, little research and development. Don't mm. mean to be a dead horse about the Slum World Tours. Oh, yes. Okay, the whole. We're the whole progressing, are we? Yes. Excellent. You'll, you'll have to finalize the idea. Okay. The whole armored truck spilling cash all Ah. You know, what? what what's what's the left hate most right now? They hate the concentration. That's so, true. As part of the tour, mm-hmm. we could call it like the concentration camp, Slumville. Yes. You could put people in cages. Yep. Contract a plane to drop cash. Because, you know, if you're in a cage, you can't, you don't really have a weapon. So contract an airplane, yep. drop cash on the other side of the thing, say it's yours. Wonderful we'll idea. Wonderful idea. We can turn that plane around <clears throat> and then come right back, drop leaflets. It says, we're all about love and tolerance. <laughs> you need to love more. I'd and, say, uh, why, why go for cash, though? Why not just food vouchers? That'd be cheaper. Well, uh, that's a, see, research and development. There you see, go. Good ideas. There you go. Brainstorming. I like the yes, idea. Sir. I love the idea. It's a tremendous idea. And I'm glad that the project is moving forward. The Slum World Tours. Well, it is, because we got West Coast, we've got Midwest, mm-hmm. we've got Northwest, which is the same as the whole West Coast. You just get rained on a whole. Yep. And, uh, yeah, now we've got the Southwest. you got the whole <laughs> damn country. Yes, sir. Excellent stuff. Well, just food for thought. Well, and, uh, thanks for joining in. Mike. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Later. There he goes. <clears throat> Big thank you to our callers. Thanks so much for joining in the show. Really appreciate it. Got a couple more items here for you before we say goodbye. Chef creates mega death takeaway meal that contains over 4,000 calories. Of course, it is a Scotsman. Of course, it is a Scottish guy. Look at this box of fucking happiness there. Look at that. (laughs) 4,000 calories in one sitting. Everything deep fried. If you've never experienced the pleasure of Scottish cuisine then you don't know what you're missing out on. Because this is the shit right here. If you were torn between which type of uh, takeout to get, one chef has come up with a calorific option that combines several different fast foods such as chips, curry, and pizza. Scottish-born Chris Orr has launched the Megadeth... (laughs) The Megadeth Munchie Box at his restaurant Wee Man's Kitchen in Victoria, Australia. For around $50, the 12-inch pizza box is filled with a range of snacks that could give you a beautiful heart attack, pro- uh, proclaims the chef. That's that's the tagline that he gives this meal deal. It could give you a heart attack. I bet they're lining up out the fucking door. This includes deep-fried pizza, chips with curry sauce, eight hot buffalo wings, haggis pakora, pakora is like an Indian sort of fried bread, two battered sausages, seek kebabs, cheddar slaw, chicken tikka, and a selection of sauces, including HB Brune sauce. Look at that box of happiness. Wow. The mega death meal deal. (laughs) According to the menu, this mega creation will feed two starving people or is enough for four if you're feeling caring. The entire feast is thought to contain more than 4,000 calories, which is double our daily average consumption, with women needing only 2,000 calories a day and men 2,500. Chris claims to have had the idea for the epic meal in his head for a while, but initially wasn't sure how it would be received, as Melbourne is quite a healthy place. 
but he says the munchie box has already proved very popular with families and some people come in regularly to eat one and there is that's iron brew that he's got there that's a very famous scottish um sort of soda drink <clears throat> and it's got traces of metal in it very minute traces of metal but metal nonetheless hence iron brew originally from mount florida chris says he grew up around plenty of fast food in glasgow and that along with the traditional scottish grub has inspired his career as a chef like see now if you put this together do you really call yourself a chef <laughs> i mean i don't know i don't know if i can apply chef to this i would say guy that works at a hamburger shop um somebody who knows how to work a deep fryer i'm not sure if this qualifies as chef to be fair to be fair i'm sure he's tremendously good at what he does and thus the wee man's kitchen was born offering aussies the chance to try a range of scottish delicacies like haggis lawn square sausages and deep fried mars bars there you go tremendous work <clears throat> making the world a far more unhealthier place which is something that we all desperately need i'm gonna play this uh kimmy shared this on twitter Apparently, Tom Steyer, he is the he is the old rich white man who was a hedge fund manager and bank owner, who is now a Democrat with a conscience, having raped capitalism for all it's worth and drank its blood like a demonic entity haunched over the victim on a battlefield with his fangs deep in the vein of capitalism, having made his fortune, he's now going to run for president and tell you why you need to spend more of your money helping strangers from other countries. Tom Steyer, one of the most influential activists in Democratic Party politics, is the founder and president of Next Gen America. I think what people believe is that the system has left them. I think people believe that the corporations have bought them. The system that I profited on for most of my life to put me in a position to be able to spend millions of dollars running for a presidency that I can't possibly win. The democracy, that the politicians don't care about or respect them, don't put them first, are not working for them, but are actually working for the people who have rigged the system. Really what we're doing is trying to make <laughs> democracy. If you weren't aware, <clears throat> Steyer is the founder, this is from Wikipedia, Steyer is the founder and former co-senior managing partner, partner of Farallon Capital. Farallon Capital manages $20 billion in capital for institutions and high net worth individuals. <laughs> you know, you know, I think a lot of people out there are just like the system's just not working for them. Here at Farallon Capital, we'll get the people working for your system. Cha-ching! <laughs> See work by pushing power down to the people. California voters aren't getting a chance to do what California lawmakers failed to do. Prop 56 got a lot of support at the polls. The oil company sponsored a new ballot initiative to halt California's new law. I was born in 1957. Old white so guy. Right in the middle of the civil rights revolution ah. and the Vietnam War. The underlying... None of which I participated in. <laughs> ...injustice in America was coming under attack. My father graduated from Yale Law School at 21. Another Yaley. Started being a lawyer, then he went into the Navy because of Pearl Harbor. Ah. And then at the end of the war, they sent him over to be assistant to the chief prosecutor at Nuremberg. I think my father looked at being in the service or being at Nuremberg as like, you have your duty, you do it. Oh, man. 
to be fair, he does set himself apart. If he gets on the debate stage, it'll be, Ms. Warren, why should we elect you president? Because Donald Trump is a Nazi. Mr. Castro, why should we elect you president? Because Donald Trump is a Nazi. Mr. Biden, why should we elect you as president? Because Donald Trump is a Nazi. Mr. Steyer, why should we elect you as president? Because my father prosecuted Nazis. Oh. Oh, you must really dislike Nazis then. Absolutely. My family has a long history of fighting Nazis. So Donald Trump is a Nazi. You need to elect me. (laughs) Fighting Nazis is in my blood. My parents were very uncompromising about doing the right thing. Steyer and his mm-hmm. wife are worth an estimated billion and a half dollars. They pledged to give half of their fortune to charity. We oh. signed the giving pledge, which is a promise to give away half of your wealth while you're alive to good causes. We have a society that's very unequal, and it's really important for people to understand that this society is... I reckon we could fit probably five dozen migrant families in that barn that he's sitting in right there. ...connected... If this is a banana republic with a few very, very rich people and everybody they've, else... They've already, managed, they've already managed to squeeze Epstein in. Look at that. Look, now that's very sneaky. We go from uh, Donald Trump Jr. to Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> this came out on the 9th. I put forward the proposition the other day on the show which I was only, you know, throwing up in the air, just seeing, just floating an idea. But I made the suggestion, uh, what if the outing of Jeffrey Epstein, the throwing of under the bus of Jeffrey Epstein, was a cynical ploy just to attack Donald Trump? And look at that. Two days ago, they bring out an ad, Donald Trump Jr. sandwiched in there with Jeffrey Epstein. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> the campaign ads, ladies and gentlemen, the future campaign ads attacking Donald Trump is going to have pictures of Nazis and Jeffrey Epstein all over them. Believe it or not. Nazis and Jeffrey Epstein is what they're going with. Wow. They're very quick, aren't they? People to understand that this society is connected if this is a banana republic with a few and see the music in the background but it's important for people to see see all of these all of these little statements are planned and poured over and written and rewritten we have a society that's very unequal it's important for people to see that all of these people are connected and whilst you're saying all of these people are connected donald trump jr and jeffrey epstein Look at it one more time. Live to good causes. We have a society that's very unequal, and it's really important for people to understand that this society is connected. This society is connected. This is a banana republic with a few very, very rich people and everybody else living in misery. That's a failure. The lawyers have basically gotten the Supreme Court to say that corporations are people, and therefore they have all the rights in the Constitution given to people. Now, obviously, corporations don't have hearts or souls or futures. Okay, then, Tom, then why the fuck do the corporations come out and take uh, lines on various political topics? If, if corporations don't have souls or futures and are not people, 
why the hell then can corporations throw money into liberal causes for things like, uh, I don't know, reparations, for example, gay marriage? How can corporations run advertising campaigns on issues like gay marriage? You can't have it both ways, Tom. You can't have it both ways. Corporations don't have souls or futures. They're not people. Okay, so why are the corporations then backing all of these political things on the left as well? Oh, that's fine. No, they've got a conscience. We're a company. We have a social conscience. See, that's how they get around it. It's not political. This is about equal rights. This is about justice. It's not about politics. Right. Right, 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 right. They don't have children. They have a short time frame. <laughs> Nike, Starbucks, right? Lyft giving uh, free rides to illegal immigrants. Starbucks only hiring refugees. Nike saying that the flag is racist. That's all fine. That's all great. Hey, we love it when a company has a social conscience and gets involved in social justice. But if a company puts a bit of money behind a Republican candidate, we've got to get these corporations out of politics. We can't have this. And they really care about just making money. If you give them the unlimited ability to participate in politics, it will skew everything because they only care about profits. Only. You know, you look at climate change. That is people who are saying, we'd rather make money than save the world. Okay. We'd rather make money and save the world at the same time, right, Tom? That's why people like Al Gore and the various hedge fund managers, which you which you handle their money for them as the managing partner of Farallon Capital, looking after high net worth individuals, people who have a lot of money invested in renewable energy and in carbon credit schemes, which funnel taxpayer, fund, uh, taxpayer money to these hedge funds, to these corporations... They only care about profits, huh? They're not going to save the world. Give your give your taxpayer money to me through the government and I will give it to the people, the very, very wealthy people who push uh, reduction in fossil fuels in order to feed more money going into the renewable energy sector, which we also control. We will force you, the taxpayer, to send your money through the government to people like me so I can handle the money for the hedge fund managers who are running the cap-and-trade schemes around the world. Because we care about profits too, but we're going to save the world instead of not save the world. Right. That's an amazing statement, and it's happening today. You're damn right it is. politicians supporting that. I mean, I think 82,000 people died last year of drug overdoses. If you think about the drug companies, the banks, screwing people on their mortgages... It's thousands of people. The anti-banking banker. He's the co-founder of One California Bank, which then became Beneficial State Bank. This guy. Ah, oh, the banks are screwing everyone. He's the co-founder of a bank. <laughs> it's like, oh, the rich, the rich people, all they care about is all the corporations care about is profit. They don't care about saving the world. He was the managing partner of Farallon Capital, which manages $20 billion in capital for institutions and, quote, high net worth individuals. I don't know. People people will lap it up, though. People will line up with their tongues out. Oh, yes. 
Oh, he hates the bankers. Oh, the corporations. They won't be able to get enough of it. And you'll say these things to them. You'll say, the guy, the, the guy's literally talking about suicide then. He's talking about himself when he says these things. Shut up, you Nazi. Oh, I suppose you support that Nazi bigot, don't you? Yeah, that pedophile who hangs out with Jeffrey Epstein. You're a fan of him, aren't you, you idiot? That's what you'll get. Oh, he hates the banks. He doesn't want the corporations to get any more money. He wants to save the earth, guys. Guys, this guy's different. He wants to save the world, guys. Come on, man. Fucking get on board. The rich old white guy. The rich old banker. The rich white banker fucking capitalist, uber capitalist. He's the guy who's going to save us from the rich white bankers and capitalists. Give me a fucking break. Doing what they're paid to do. Almost every single major intractable problem at the back of it, you see a big money interest for whom stopping progress, stopping justice is really important to their bottom line. See, I told you, they, they just transfer, they just exchange the word politics for justice and progress. That's how they get around this stuff. Like when they say we're not teaching uh, children politics in school, they are teaching them politics. They just call it social justice instead. They just call it progress instead of politics. The interchangeable definitions used to bedazzle a populace who are so detached from reality that merely merely questioning their heroes is enough to get you labelled as a Nazi. Americans are deeply disappointed and hurt by the way they're treated, but what they think is the power elite in Washington, D.C., and that goes across <laughs> party lines. And it goes <laughs> I'm here to fight the establishment. <laughs> if Donald Trump was so awful and so stupid, why do they keep using all of his campaign slogans from 2016? Have you figured that out? I predicted this would happen because on the Democrat side of the ledger these days, on the left-hand side of the aisle these days, they are completely devoid of imagination. They take what works and then use it themselves. Donald Trump's social media strategy, that's how you get Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the trolling, right? Donald Trump's sloganeering in a campaign, that's how you get Nancy Pelosi coming out and saying literally like we need to we need to fight the elite in Washington. That's how you get this guy saying, oh, we've got to... She, Nancy Pelosi came out and said, "We after she won back the house, we need to drain the swamp. <laughs> That's how you get Tulsi Gabbard repeating the exact same slogans that Trump used in 2016. That's how you get guys like this, a billionaire hedge fund manager, rich, old, rich, white guy banker, saying that we need to go after the banks <laughs> and that there's too much money in politics and the special interest groups and the lobbyists are ruining everything. Because Donald Trump's such an idiot. Because he's so far off in his views, he's so wrong that we need to copy everything the fucking guy says. It goes across geography. We've got to take the corporate control out of our politics. All these issues go away when you take away the paid opposition from corporations right. who make trillions of extra dollars by controlling our political system. Great. Great news. So I'm looking forward to um, 
corporations no longer being allowed to take party political lines. So sorry, Starbucks. Sorry, Nike. Sorry, Apple. Sorry, Facebook. Sorry, Twitter. You're fucked. Tom Steyer's going to come in and fuck you, right? Because we've got to get the corporations out of politics. We can't have the corporations controlling the political system. These corporations making billions of dollars, trillions of dollars. We've got to get them out. So the Nikes, the Starbucks, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Googles, you're out of there. That's what Tom wants. Really? I very much doubt it. Very much doubt it. But like I said, people will lap this shit up. That, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to the end of another episode of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute, absolute pleasure to be with you. I'm going to get back now, rest my throat a little bit. I'll be back on Sunday night with Trust and Verify at TAV Show. Back Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week for the Daily Boogie once again. Don't forget to follow our friends at Real Person PLTCS. And of course, the Preacher Man at ChrisMac44. Until next time, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. start of the show (laughs) hopefully it's a lot of them to be fair i don't have that many to begin with so we can't afford to lose you i take it all back (laughs) see you next week guys bye-bye